Here's what you missed on Buck Sexton with America Now. We are joined by our guest and friend, Vince Colonese. He is the Daily Caller's editor-in-chief. And he's got a lot to talk to us about today because much is happening in the world of politics and America more broadly. Mr. Colonese, great to have you, sir. It's nice to be here. Thank you, Buck. All right. Uh, so triumphant return to the Senate for Senator John McCain today. Where are we now in your estimation on this health care bill? It seems like we could only say that it's the end of this new beginning. I don't know. Well, what's going to happen now? Well, this is, it seems like a meaningful victory for President Trump and for Mitch McConnell, who's uh, for a while now promised that something would be done on repealing Obamacare to some extent. Um, this motion to proceed is meaningful because it forces uh, the, the bill into a position where they can now vote on amendments to begin the process of repealing Obamacare through, through re- reconciliation, requiring just a majority of votes in the Senate in order to pass those things. Um, but they got the 51 votes they needed. They needed Mike Pence for a tiebreaker, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski with two no votes among Republicans. Uh, but this is, again, what they could accomplish. And, and, and you knew that this thing had a real chance when, you, when we began to hear that John McCain, of all people, was going to be flying in to take this vote. That was a, the clearest sign, if any, uh, that, that Mitch McConnell felt like he had enough votes so long as McCain was there to pull that lever. And for him to have just come out of surgery uh, and, of course, had that brain cancer diagnosis and now walk into the Senate, he was, he was heralded upon return by the Republicans, uh, celebrated for returning to the chamber, and he voted in favor of getting this thing into a position where they might actually have some success for the first time in a long time on repealing elements of Obamacare. So we'll see, we'll see what they can do with that. I mean, look, they turned guys like Rand Paul. They actually got him to vote for this thing, suggesting that that even Rand Paul has some belief that this is a very this is an actual repeal effort and not just a patchwork to keep Obamacare in place. Let's assume, Vince, that everything goes according to plan here. What are the next steps uh, for the Senate and then for the Congress? Uh, what, what happens after this? Well, I, it's still unclear precisely what this thing is going to end up like. Um, my, my understanding is that they're going to come have to come through. They'll have to go through some voting to figure out what the bill looks like coming out of the Senate and then conference with the House on the fi- on the end product. Um, but you know what we know is that Mitch McConnell uh, had originally sought to have an instant real re- repeal and replace the BCRA is what the acronym was, and um, they wanted to you know so they they modified that a couple times, including getting Ted Cruz's amendment in place, which would allow people to go into the marketplace and buy plans that didn't meet all of the Obamacare requirements in terms of minimum coverage, meaning you'd pay far less in premiums under the Ted Cruz amendment. Uh, So that was a part of the BCRA. Additionally, there was an effort to try and simply repeal Obamacare and repeal it on a two-year delay, and then ultimately use that two-year delay as time to come up with more replacement opportunities. Uh, So Republicans have still have a lot to work through, but this first major hurdle uh, it has been has been crossed, and it's a procedural vote, but it's an important one, and it's going to allow now um, Obamacare, the, the Obamacare itself, to be a little bit more vulnerable, and these Republicans to take an, to take a stab at actually repealing elements of it. We're speaking to Vince Colonese, he's the Daily Caller's editor in chief. Uh, it's been a rough few days here, Vince, for Attorney General Jeff Sessions. 
what do you make of all this? I, I think that this is, uh, well, I want to hear what you think first, actually, and then I'll tell everybody what I think later. What do you think? Sure. Well, I'm I'm struck by it for a number of reasons. I think a lot of people point out the obvious. Jeff Sessions was Trump's earliest senator supporter. Um, even before Jeff Sessions endorsed President Trump, I believe it was sometime in 2015, he, he went out to Mobile, Alabama, his hometown, and stood on a stage with, with, with Trump and threw a Make America Great Again hat on. Even his staff at the time was surprised that Jeff Sessions went, went that far. Uh, so, I, I, you know, everyone's always remembered that, you know, Sessions was among his earliest supporters. That's a point that the president of the United States is discounting today. He did an interview with the Wall Street Journal. He kind of downplayed that, said it's not, you know, not that big of a deal. There was a lot of people in Alabama who supported Trump. Therefore, why wouldn't their senator look at that support and decide that he wants to be a part of that movement? Um, I am I am very much surprised by the way that President Trump has treated Jeff Sessions. Uh, Sessions, by all accounts, made a good faith effort to recuse himself from any investigations that were related to the Trump campaign, given his involvement in the campaign. And he's received support from people, including Rudy Giuliani, who's been floated as a replacement for Jeff Sessions. So, I mean, this is this is something that I think has left a lot of Trump supporters confused, not not least of all because Jeff Sessions is considered somewhat the ideological mooring of Trump's uh, presidency. He's the guy who came who, who really has the chops for being hawkish on things like immigration and on whom Trump has relied. Trump had even Trump even has one of Jeff Sessions' former top staffers, Stephen Miller, working very closely with him to formulate policy. So this this comes very much as a surprise to people who have watched the ideal ideological underpinnings of the Trump administration. What are you hearing from your folks down in in D.C. about whether there are other shakeups? that are, are planned for the communications team. I mean, you got uh, Scaramucci down there, no, down there now, and he's already tossed somebody today. Uh, do you think that there's other stuff coming? Well, he certainly is making it sound that way. His, his goal is, uh, it, you know, he announced it very early on here. He's been on the Sunday shows this weekend. He was very clear that his goal is to go after leaks, and he believes they're in the White House, and they need to be rooted out. And he's, and we've had, we've heard some reports that he's, I believe he said this out loud. I'm mixing things up, but I know that um, you know. In addition to this firing today, he basically said, "You know, you help me with this. Stop the leaks, um, or or we will continue to fire." He's like, "I don't care if we get down all the way to Sarah, meaning Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and him, uh, just literally firing everyone." His job right now, as he sees it, is to handle these leaks and begin firing people um, in order to satisfy what appears to be a dominant need of the president. Um, this this is definitely a different strategy for a communications professional in the White House, um, certainly different than what Sean Spicer was doing, Mike Dubke, the former communications director. Anthony Scaramucci has, as far as anyone can tell, been given a very broad permission slip to go in and try and clean up this White House to get it to the point that it's to Trump's liking. Yeah, we got Vince uh, Colonese of the Daily Callers, editor-in-chief on the line here. Uh, there was, I just saw this right before we brought you on, Vince, that uh, what is the status right now of concealed carry in D.C.? I see this is up on dailycaller.com right now. A court, a D.C. Circuit Court has said that concealed carry may be okay in D.C.? That seems to be quite a turnaround. Yeah, I I, um, I saw that cross earlier, and I know our reporters are working on it. I can't give you a detailed report because I'm not fully briefed on it. But I do know that any any attempt to get closer to a more liberal Second Amendment standard 
within the District of Columbia would be very welcome, especially among its more conservative residents. You just look at a city nearby, like Baltimore, wherein they're considering even stricter gun restrictions. Right now, they're, they're considering minimum sentences of a year on gun possession. Um, even the lawmakers in Baltimore are assessing this from the perspective of, well, we got to be careful. We don't want to penalize citizens who are merely trying to defend themselves with illegal guns. That's got to give you pause if you're a lawmaker in Baltimore. It, it should cause you to reconcile, like, wait a second, why do I have that position? Oh, yeah, that's right, because guns actually are used for self-defense, and those who commit crimes with them are, often, are, are typically you know, criminals themselves. Are you a district guy, or do you live in Virginia like a lot of other folks I know who love America? I live, work in Virginia, like, I live in Virginia like every Second Amendment loves I was going to say, I had a feeling you might be a Virginia guy who works in D.C. instead of a D.C. D.C. guy, just because it's so hard to, uh, well, yeah, for a lot of people, you, you can't own a gun, basically, so there you go. It's an oasis of sanity when it comes to guns, for ab- sure. Absolutely. All right, everybody, Vince Colonese, oh, he is on the Daily Caller. He's the editor-in-chief. Go read dailycaller.com for his latest. And Vince, always great to have you, sir. Come back and hang out at the Freedom Hut soon. Oh, my God. Of course, Buck. Thank you. Follow us online at Buck Sexton on Twitter and Instagram.